Welcome back, everyone, to the Lawcast. I'm Chris DeSantano, and this is Melanie Thuller. We're both solicitors here at MJT Law, and we're here for another podcast. We are. We are. And it's, I think, going to be one of our last ones from different locations. From different locations, yes. Uh, we'll be going back to the office very shortly. Um, but I think before we uh, kick off today's discussions, I think there is a some congratulations to go around because... Uh, I think, uh, Melanie, you're quite humble, and uh, I think I'll, I'll bring it up that uh, you were listed on uh, Doyle's Guide. Oh, yes, of course, yes. Doyle's is one of these things that lawyers vote for each other, and yeah, um, I got on to recommended lawyer. Yeah, so, words. yeah, so there's probably, what, 10 people on the list in, in Queensland? Um, yeah, so, you're, you know, top 10. Um, I think that's a really good achievement. Um, and, and the fact that MJT Law as well um, got listed as well, which is which is but really good. Kudos to my team too um, for, uh, for doing the work that they need to do to get on the list as well. Yeah. This is true. I'm actually really happy about this because I've, I've got on the list quite a few years in a row and last year somehow I got bunked off and I was like really upset about it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, this this year I'm back on. Yeah, no, I think uh, congratu- congratulations. It's um, Thank you very much. You know, as someone who's who's early in his career, um, it's definitely something that I've always um, flagged as something that I'd like to achieve at some stage in my career. Um, so no, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very happy. The uh, the other thing that I've been um, looking into is uh, specialization. Yes. So for everyone out there, um, there is a certain another level of, of, I suppose, accreditation. Um, So, you know, there's everyone's just sort of a solicitor, um, but you can become a accredited specialist um, in a particular field. Um, For us, it would be, is it workplace Relations? What, what do yeah, they call workplace it? law, workplace relations. It's mm. uh, the Victorian Queensland Law Society. Sorry, the Victorian Law Society is uh, is doing it this year for me. Mm. I've uh, been taking a look at it. Mm. Um, and I mean, for everyone there, I certainly, when you you see the little badge that comes there, I I, um, I respect it um, because I know that it's tough. Um, I've heard. I suppose some some rumours because they don't release these these statistics, but that um, that the pass rate is very very low um, in the schemes of things, and there's probably what you know fifteen twenty special workplace specialists in in Queensland, something like that. Uh, I think there are twelve. Twelve, right? <laughs> yeah. So in the entire of Queensland, there's what ten thousand right. lawyers. Yeah, like that, that goes around. Uh, and if there's only twelve um, workplace ones, then I think it's a pretty pretty good achievement if you if you can get that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking into it. I don't know yet because um, look, there's a lot of study involved, and we do this thing where you go and learn about the course itself. And a lot of people went, oh, no, there's loads of study. There's loads of time. You've got to put lots of time and and to be to be quite honest running a business being a lawyer at the same time already takes up quite a lot of time so nothing in life is without pain though oh no so we all did it in uni we all did it in uni with it's just we all remember how tough uni was and it's almost i know i've mentioned to you before but the thought of extra learning petrifies me because I remember graduating and I didn't graduate, you know, my feelings at the end of it were, geez, that was really, really tough. Um, mm. I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm keen to do that anytime soon. So I think we've all kind of got that lingering feeling that makes it just a little bit harder, but I reckon, I reckon you're in for it. I reckon you, I reckon you'll do pretty well. No, oh, well, we'll we'll see if I I've got another month before I can throw before I throw my hat in the ring. I've got to pull together my application because there's this uh, kind of you you can't just apply and do it. One has to apply and be considered. Um, 
you're standing amongst the industry must be it. Yeah, so. there's it, it, a whole pile of stuff there. I'm probably, you know, talking it up because if I don't get it, anyone's going to think that I'm useless, but it's really not that easy, guys. Mm. I, I just, but I, it is something that is on my mind. I'm actually pretty interested in seeing how that plays out. Um, and it sort of comes from being bolstered by, you know, getting these awards, really stopping and thinking about, am I, am I of a calibre with which this is the sort of thing that I could be doing next? Um, and to be, yeah, to be honest, I've been doing this for a long time, so why, why wouldn't I be? Well, I know when you first brought it up, you know, you're a bit hesitant and I said, you know, it's nice to know the imposter syndrome still continues onwards. <laughs> um, but you're right, you know, you're on the jaws just for a reason. Um, you've been doing it for, for, yeah. for long enough now. You're, you know, your work's good. Why, why, why would others be more eligible or better? Well, than, I you know, like that, yeah. at some point you have to accept the fact that you might actually be good. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's just I think when it comes to law, and and, and I'm sure you feel this too, Chris, is that you you cannot guarantee that you're the smartest person in the room. Ever. No, in fact, you should assume the other way. Assume <laughs> you're not. If, if you if you think you're the best, then chances are you're not, and you'll be found out because of it. If somebody else is is, is going to be there who knows more about that thing than you do, and and this is the thing about law, we we are constantly surrounded by people who are, if they're not smarter than us, they're better than us at that particular thing, or they're smarter, mm. or they've thought about this thing in more depth. And you, you're always challenged with your opinions. You're always challenged with your points of view and your and your legal analysis. Um, and yeah, it's it's really nice in general. I'm actually quite a lot right, which is really nice. But I suspect I'm only right about the things that I talk about because I'm sure that I'm right about them, not because mm. of any. You know, I'm not throwing out you know crazy crazy ideas they're not really sure about what the law might be on that point uh, so anyway anyway anyway, anyway yes, enough enough very much. Enough. yes i'm uh, very very pleased that mjt law has uh, got the doyles list again on the doors list i'm i'm actually super pleased about that there's a couple of other awards that we get like we also um sit on the three best yes um which is really fun for brisbane employment lawyers so uh that's actually a really fun internet-based Mm. Award. It's about uh, about Google ratings and easeability, if that's even a word, on your website and mm. how much engagement we get from from people out there. And actually, I'm quite proud of that as well. The three best list. I think the three best is a really good reflection of MJT as a business. Because mm. um, mm. Doyle's list, and I apologise to our viewers who. I uh, don't quite know the difference, but Doyle's is because it's only viewed, kind of voted by other lawyers. It's a it's a great indication of who is good and who is not. Mm. But you know, it, you can be a great lawyer, but not necessarily run a particularly great practice, um, and might not actually reflect in in your business. Whereas Three Best, I think, does. Yeah, Three Best is really fun, isn't it? It's it's one of these rating website type environments that uh, look at a different a, a lots of different things and, and kind of matrix it all together and say this is what um, this is what we think and look everyone has an opinion obviously I mean this is what the internet's about everyone's got an opinion but it's I'm, I'm actually really pleased that we're on that year after year after year as well and that we we maintain those high Google rankings that we maintain a, um, a really interactive website that we mm. that we have you know podcasts that we have youtube channels that we've got information on our website that helps people actually get on with that without needing a lawyer um what it doesn't take into account and what we never ever ever talk about is our pro bono work mm. and mm. uh what people don't realize is that mjt gives gives away a mad amount of pro bono work i think it's yeah it's about eight hours a a week. Yeah, it's it's really something like that. One year I did did the the, the figures, the calculations, and it's like two hundred thousand dollars in legal mm. advice. Well, eight hours is a fair bit of money. <laughs> give away, and of course, when my accountant sees these sort of figures, he kind of looks at me and says, "Um, what you doing? Because of course that's money we could, but 
it's it's not a for one thing it's not easy to say oh well i could have made that two hundred thousand dollars because but for my pro bono work i would have had a paying client it it those who are in business know quite it never account scopes. like that but. yeah it, it never scales or scopes like that we we know that um those of us who are in business know if you know oh i can't take my lunch break because that means i wouldn't be doing that thing and earning that money no people know that that's that's not actually how it works but uh, it it means that we've helped hundreds hundreds oh, it'd be thousands hundreds yeah, it'd be thousands, of, well, in the of, thousands of people out there to to get their next steps mm. which is um which i think is really really rewarding but something actually we we literally never talk about we don't talk i mean i like putting this out there that um lawyers should really see themselves as the helping profession i know it's we can get caught up in everything but you go and see it you go and see a doctor when you're not feeling very well you don't go see a doctor when you're feeling great um you go see a lawyer because something's gone wrong. Yeah. Frankly, 90% of the time, it's because something's gone wrong. You might be doing preventative action, but the preventative action was flagged because something went wrong. Um, and you go see them because you want them to fix a problem. Just as mm -hmm. you go see a doctor because you want them to fix something, you want to mm -hmm. fix your broken arm or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. Um, you know, And that's what we're really here for in the end of the day. But I know that you've got some things that you want to, to talk about, so far away. Yeah, so look, there was this, uh, now, interestingly, um, I can't bring up my outlook, which is crazy, but. Um, Apologies to Microsoft for our, for that comment. Yeah, I just, uh, here we go. I think I've managed to close it. Um, so I can bring it open again. But there's this case that came out a couple of days ago, and I'm going to feed this back to the gig economy because those who, who who are regular watchers of the Lawcast will know that uh, ages ago, probably a year ago now, maybe more, we um, mm. we did this talk on the gig economy and having a side hustle. Yeah, because I think it's 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 becoming more an emerging emerging problem. Yeah, um, and I'm <laughs> I really like this case because this is about working your side hustle while at work and uh and one of the things that we talked about in this in our previous podcast was the tolerances that employers have on this mm. and whether we should have those tolerances or not so on. yeah we, we kind of i think we we had some differing opinions but certainly one thing that we could agree on was i think it all comes down to prejudice um and it's prejudice to your your current employee or your principal employer which is and that can be broad you know it's not using their time so don't run your business while you're at work um, yeah. in such a way that you can't also do your work for your employer don't use their confidential information information is an obvious one no intellectual property um, no conflicts of interest um, so don't run one which you know in a roundabout way ends up competing with the business because that's Often because because of the way we are, we want to do a gig economy, something that we we know and do, and what we know and do is is what we do for our employer. So there's that temptation. I mean, a lot of yeah. people have these side hustles because they were able to fund it with the money with which they're getting paid. Yeah, so <laughs> I think we we kind of came to it that in a modern day, it's it's really just about prejudice, you know, what cost? Yeah, time, time. What's what's been time, done? Time, money, information. And this case, this case came down on the 23rd of February, so it's only a couple of days ago, and it fascinated me because it, it really pulled in all these concepts. Mm. So this employee um, ran a her own business. It was a farm stay, and like uh, an Airbnb kind of thing, like an Airbnb type thing. And uh, she, <laughs> what's her name, Linda? So. So, so Linda had this kind of farm say, and you can imagine during COVID, it would have been really hard to get this up and running. Mm. But now everyone's back and back. Everyone's ready to rock and roll, right? Yeah. So she's been, she was finding it that her property that to stay on her farm stay was becoming increasingly popular. And she was finding it harder and harder to uh, manage 
the uh, ins and outs of uh, people being all these inquiries and stuff, not doing work hours. So that came out and she came out that she had sent 72 text, 76 text messages in five hours. Five hours? So five hours. So that's like know. constant. I don't think I sent 75 what? a week. 76 divided by five. I mean, you're just going to look at me and go, what are you thinking, Mel? It's 15 texts an hour. So if you go 15 divided, so that's like. That's one every three minutes or something. It's. Four minutes. It's, it's that's constant because remember she's also reading the texts for which she's sending do you know what that's i mean right. like it might she's, take two minutes to read and consider and then sending, reply and, and you have to also text you, you actually have to type out the text oh, and uh and she was a bit and she was told to stop so they didn't just fire it she was told to yeah, stop. yeah that's nice I'm and sure. uh um and she didn't and she was terminated ultimately for failing to follow a lawful and reasonable direction to have her phone turned off at work. And I think that's a really interesting one because probably could they have didn't actually terminate fired. her. They could have fired her. But yeah, they didn't terminate they her. They did a roundabout way. Work. They didn't terminate her for using the text too many times. They basically said, look, you have to you need to focus on work. Her job was health and safety and environment and training manager. So her lack of attention could have potentially led to workplace health and safety. Yeah, and she was a manager as well. So that tells me that she, there was other people there that she needed to deal with and so on. So this is, uh, apparently she also <laughs> sent an aggressive email about a personal family law matter from her work email. So she's like replied to a, a family law thing just with her email with, with the with banner her, and everything. That's right, with her work email address. Um, and, you know, for a family law matter. And basically she was told to stop and she didn't. And they didn't terminate it for any of this stuff. They terminated it for not following a lawful and reasonable direction for not turning off her mobile phone while it's at work. Nice what, what amazes me is this went all the way through to a hearing. Yeah, what did she argue? Because I've already just in my mind thought of, I mean, I know they went with the lawful and reasonable direction thing, but I'm thinking of like three other ways you could have fired her. Um, but what did what? she argue? Well, it's, the whole thing is just, she was arguing that they kept shifting the goalposts, that they weren't giving, you know, um, uh, you know, giving her an, an idea of exactly what she needed to do. Um, she just, yeah, she just kind of said, look, it wasn't really causing any harm. That's bizarre. That is absolutely yeah. bizarre. Um, because I'm, I'm going to stretch this out a little bit, but if someone is sending that many texts and taking into account how long it would take to read these said texts and send them and type them, etc. Do yeah. you think do you think this goes so far as to potentially be a repudiation of the contract? Because she's not working. She's <laughs> actually not doing anything. Well, she's denying this. She's she said she denied she spent a lot of time performing work, um, her her other job while at business hours, um, and that she took her duties seriously, and that sometimes she had to set an alarm, um, so to remind her that she needed to finish work for the day. So she was such a studious employee that she got caught up in it all. Um, but she denied she sent a lot of texts, and I just, you know, you just look at this and you go. How did this get to a hearing? You know, who first I'm and this 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 kind of pushes to my next um kind of pet discussion, I guess, is about how is the unfair dismissal regime working if we've got matters like this going through to a hearing? I just someone gets fired for literally running their own business, taking sending a text every at least every five minutes um, yeah this thing was doomed to fat like properly doomed you know uh, and you know and sh and this linda decides you know what i'm going to argue this because i have a mm. this, this, I can't. this is just unfair it's unfair dismissal i mean what? Where, did, where did where did the where did the system 
get hooked up to this point where there are just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how frivolous this case, you know, really is. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not giving the evidence and so on. But it just, it just seems to me like there was, even if the case wasn't doomed to fail, even, even if it wasn't doomed yeah, to fail. Yeah, because that's a high threshold. It's a, it's a high threshold. What gives Linda this impression that it's perfectly okay for her to run her business out of her job, send all these texts, and then decide that it's not fair that she gets terminated? Well, it all comes down to, and I'm not sure there's a right answer for this, because we've mentioned this plenty of times before, employment law is tricky because there is a, a certain higher level of public policy that comes with it when we're thinking about commercial litigation. Um, it comes down to the costs problem, isn't it? Is on one hand, as, as it stands, costs are very rare. Um, the threshold is extremely high. It basically needs to have no prospects of success. And we frequently really see this falling into two main issues where, where someone might have an adverse cost order coming against them is mm. one they proceeded with the matter which was jurisdictionally failed uh faulty mm. so they proceeded with something that putting aside the facts you know they hadn't worked there for long enough or they they you know it's just the matter the proceedings that they brought made no sense whatsoever you know it just you know jurisdictionally had no chance or they um basically didn't uh, accept or they rejected an offer which was higher than the amount for which they could possibly earn. And when I say possibly, I'm not saying like a prospects type um, mm, thing. Mm. I'm talking they've got another job, uh, you know, four weeks and it's, it's mm -hmm. you know, the same or more than they were earning before. So they, their compensation is genuinely capped at that four weeks and mm. they got offered six weeks and they said no to that because that's completely unreasonable. We're not talking, you know, oh, well, you know, I was going for 26 weeks and, you know, chances are I was probably not going to get it. You know, we're not really talking about that. So it's pretty rare, but it means you allow, if, if this type of regime is there, you allow these types of cases where the it's not no prospects, but it's extremely low. Um, yeah. I mean, this one had... And the reason why I'm guessing she brought the matter to the commission was because there were there's some procedural problems with the way they did it. Um, they didn't get they you know apart from complaining to her about turning, you know turning off the phone or there there was a couple of occasions that they didn't give her an opportunity to respond. When they gave her termination letter, they said you did this 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 and this on these days. And one of those days they didn't give her a chance to to, to talk about it. But the commission basically said well. Yeah, I get that, but it's not enough to mitigate the mm. conclusion that it was a serious reason and you and it was a valid reason to dismiss. Mm. And it's it's really interesting because during the during the height of the pandemic, and I think we can use the word now. And it's hard to know on on these things. We called it the what did we call it for a while? We called it. No, I think we called it. I was calling it the global crisis. The global crisis, that's a, yeah, right, but right. Now, but now there's some other global crises, so that's probably a broad. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Uh, there's, 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 there's a few things going on here. Um, yeah, well, during the, the the previous global crisis or the pandemic, uh, there were a crazy number of redundancies. Yeah. And uh, most of them probably could have had better procedural um you know process yeah they're a little bit gung-ho they're they're a little bit gung-ho they're a bit gung-ho but the commissions were allowing them over the line regardless of the procedural complexities that were or the procedural problems and i i think i don't think and certainly we don't come across many employers who who turn to us and say how do we terminate this person with as little work as possible. <laughs> no, no, no. no one comes to us and says that. They, they come to us and say, 
you know, this this we've got this problem. We 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 think we need to terminate. What is the right way to do that? Yeah. You know, no one's coming to us and saying, how do we do this with the least amount of work? No, but there is maybe a potential confirmation bias here where the fact that they're coming to see us indicates that they want to do it right. Yeah. I, look, I think a lot of the procedural cases is where it, it actually never occurred to them that they they never had that stop go moment. We talked about, uh, and I apologize, I don't know that I've forgotten the name, but the bird case last last uh, yes, podcast. Yes, yes. Had they have seen the, the lawyer, the Galai, had they seen the lawyer, I think it would have been a different different decision and a different process. But um, you're right though. For the most part, it's it's not malice. It's usually just a lack of awareness more than anything. Um, yeah, I've got I've got two more. Um, first one is uh, this this is this is a matter close I think to your heart, Chris, because you've been doing quite a lot of work on this. This is about Facebook and posting yes. out of hours and how yes. the employer can be um, can be caught up in these and and termination. So the uh, so I thought this was an interesting one. The ACTU, Being the, um, union. the Australian Council of Trade Unions, terminated this person for posting some rather tasty <laughs> Facebook messages, right. which, which were I, I think the language was racist. <laughs> so um, there was there was some there was some really kind of rather distasteful Facebook messages that were uh, posted and uh, yeah they terminated and I'm just going to do touch this lightly um, I think the fascinating thing about this is this 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 keeps coming up this this is something that is actually a problem now we've got people who are Facebooking and texting in the evening mm. and uh, yeah how does it negatively impact your employer this one was um, in relation to uh, reputation and credibility of the ATCU it can be negatively impacted um, when it says one thing like supporting the LG, L, LGBTQIA plus workers and someone who acts in consistency consistently with that by espousing a value or public position against it. Yeah. So just talking about this Facebook, just just really quickly. Yes. Um, yeah. So this this person had a lot of followers. It, it, the the posts were uh, unsavory, and it got back to the to the employer. Found the employer made a decision that it was uh, um, they were taking at the time all these progressive advertisements mm. and stuff to promote. Um, or to deal with workplace issues in relation to LGBTQIA plus domestic violent measures and things like this, and, mm. and these Facebook posts just uh, we're just, directly we're, in in contrast. We're really inconsistent with that. But again, this is another case that you know someone gets fired for putting rather unsavoury, shall I say, rather unsavoury mm. Facebook messages up, and uh, it goes all the way to a hearing. How did that happen? Well. I mean, I actually, I like where the law is going when it comes to social media. Um, call me a bit of a party pooper or whatever it might be. But I'm, I'm very much of the view that every employee is an actor for their employer, whether they like it or not. In the modern day, they are, you know, they may as well be there on the corner with a, you know, full branding, waving a sign around. Because what you say and do in your public life is absolutely uh, a reflection of, of where you work. Mm. Um, and, you know, we often get these kind of questions, well, it's not fair, this is, that's my life. But there is a simple answer to that is you, you don't need to, you can say whatever you want, but you're not going to say it well employed, mm. well employed at that particular organisation. Because yeah, and, the fact of the matter is, is um, Businesses, so they get judged on that. They does, get judged on that. Does this feed into all areas though? I mean, we're talking about Facebook posts, but uh, this, this is a really interesting one from, from a business owner. Mm. Um, 
for those who, who don't know, I, and this is probably a bad idea because apparently Australians don't trust people who don't drink, but um, I don't drink alcohol. I don't mm. drink alcohol for a number of reasons. And so I don't, I don't drink when I go out and have fun with my team in the evenings or go to work do's or go to, you know, and also I don't drink when I spend time with my family and so on and so forth. Um, and I've always considered employees who go out to these parties and get sloppy drunk to be behaving really inappropriately. Just because the alcohol is free doesn't should not mean that it's it's it it just you can slather it you know across mm. the board and just go nuts because a it's on your employer's dime and and b <laughs> where, where where's the saying their employment contract it's okay to get totally sloppy drunk at a work function no it, you know? it's not it's not um one of uh I'm going to use a, a euphemism that I got from a reality TV show. Um, uh, it's the show Below Deck. Basically, it's about a whole bunch of young people who this is your, your reality show, isn't it? love my reality TV shows. But anyway, so the captain there is he's a pretty kind of stern but fair sort of guy. And he says at the start of every season to all the new employees, there's two rules. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass the boat. And I think that stacks up when it comes to social media. It stacks up to out of office functions, you know, office functions. If you don't embarrass yourself, then you're not embarrassing the company. And that mm. comes to the fact that you are an actor. You are mm. representative of the company for which you work. Um, and that that's everywhere. Um, and it's simply harder on a on a cruise boat because you're stuck on it. But certainly as an employee, say here in Brisbane, mm. you're not you're, you're not living, drinking, eating, sleeping, work. So go home and get sloppy drunk. Yeah. Go 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 to go out with your mates and get sloppy drunk. Don't, don't. go to work functions and get sloppy drunk. And well, even if you're doing it in your own time and whatever, don't go and do it and tell everyone. Don't hand, work, don't hand out your business card. Don't hand out your business card. Don't wear a polo with, you know, MJ Teal all written yeah. on it. Don't wear a, you know, people need to be far more aware of the fact that their reputation of the business really is on the line when they when they act in their personal lives. Um, and, and I think the law should really reflect that because in the end of the day, it will have a financial effect on business. I, I think it. I think it does, but it also has this trust, loyalty, fidelity thing as well. I mean, you really, an employer really doesn't want to know what their employees get up to in their spare time. We, for a start, we shouldn't care about that, and we really don't want to find out. But sometimes those lines are blurred, just a little bit, and it can be a little bit more information than what we need. And, you know, people should keep their private lives private from work. Mm. I don't need to find out every little bit that happens to people. Um, you know, I'm, it, it's kind of interesting like that. I've got, sorry, just, just to peter off and just to disappear into yeah. the ether on, on this one. So that was, the, I, I like that one because first of all, we've, we've been dealing with that social media thing and we've been yep. dealing with it for a while. And for those of you who don't know, we've actually been running some um, training programs mm. and one of them is about social media and vicariously liable um, and, you know, when it might be appropriate to terminate and so on. Um, yeah, I just, um, I, I, I find this, um, Social media thing to be, I guess, because we're all at home, we're all distracted or we're all just that little bit separated from our jobs. We find mm. it easier to, to get up to that sort of to, mischief. Yeah. On a different note, and I'm not sure what you've got. If you <laughs> No, no, fly away, fly away. <laughs> For everyone um, out there, by the way, the hardest part about this podcast is figuring out what you want to talk about. So for any kind of producers out there for tv film radio whatever it might be congratulations to you because certainly something that i've, I've learned since we've been doing the podcast is actually it's really hard it's, it's really hard to figure out what you want to talk about content is oh. a tricky one i've got this i've got this really interesting one so so for people out there who um 
who don't know, more often than never. So a surprising number of people get asked to change venues in their employment. They, they have to work from, instead of one place, they have to work at a different place. And that causes a little bit of discomfort for are the talking, employee. Are we talking like the whole office moves or are we talking? Yeah, office moves or you, you're, you're transferred. You move from one, room. yeah, transferred to another. Yeah, transferred to a different, to a different um, spot, yeah. And, and for, those, for those of you who are not in Brisbane, Brisbane is a um, city that is based on a river. We have we have the Brisbane River, and there's kind of a north and south aspect to the Brisbane yes. River. And anyone and, that lives in Brisbane knows that the north north is better. But that's, <laughs> that's just my Chris is saying because he's on the north side, whereas I live on the south side. Um, so Brisbane essentially is on the Brisbane CBD is on the north side, but only just it is sitting on the edge on the Brisbane River, which is, makes it a very beautiful city. Uh, but there have been clients of ours who've come to us and said they're asking me to, to to now do work on the south side or they're asking me to do work on the north side and, and there's this concept mm. so what what comes up a, a fair amount is how much of a change this is to their employment mm. and uh, this one's a really interesting one because normally we get clients saying my employer wants me to move and they're saying it's not a material change in my employment or it's not a redundancy or it's not yeah. that. Yeah, because there's a, a redundancy that kind of flows from. Yeah, that. Um, and in fact, it's just your contract says that we can shift to um, locations and so we're doing that. This is this is something a little bit different. This is this is Crown Sydney. So the, the, uh, the casino. Um, casino, yeah. So they've got a Crown Melbourne and a Crown Perth. Now, they what they wanted to do is take a pile of people from Melbourne and Perth and put them now i'm going to set aside the political drama of what's happened in sydney when it comes to casinos uh and and the licensing issues it's wise, it's just, wise to stay away from I'm, allegations away from, of money laundering yeah just anyone who wants to google that it's a matter for them um and i'm going to stay well away from that and what they're doing is they're setting up a private club and interestingly enough england has piles and piles of private casinos can you just that's completely foreign to me can, well what is that it's a it's a casino where you can only get into if you are a subscriber or a member member only casinos oh, so they're, they're kind of getting you for money in more ways than one that's kind of clever yeah um so they, they i think they're wanting to create and i could be wrong here but they were i think they're wanting to create a private casino so what they're doing is they're asking people from melbourne and perth to go and work in this private casino. Now they are trying to achieve a different goal here. They want to be completely separated from the enterprise agreements and so on. And they're trying to say that it is, uh, what's the language that they were using? Uh, not a transfer of business. So they were trying to argue that the move from working in this casino as a croupier, mm. croupier, is that the right word, croupier? I I don't know. I, I'd say just the dealers or dealers. Okay, as a dealer, um, <laughs> um, and it's it's it, although it is work, it is it is a completely. It's not a transfer of businesses. You're not transferring that employee from one business to another business. It is a whole new business. Mm. Although it's still Crown, and they're still doing exactly the same thing. And can I can I take a punt in saying that they are going to say it's the same or substantially the same job such that they don't need to pay a redundancy or for this is not about redundancy this is actually about the enterprise agreement and whether it gets extinguished by asking these people to go from a to b right so yeah. what what's the uh what's the arguments that need yeah to so so the the argument is um, so the Crown Sydney sort of declaration that employment of the transferred employees did not constitute a transfer of business um, so that they could, so the enterprise agreement wouldn't apply. Um, and the justice, it was a um, justice um, said it wasn't a transfer of business. Even though those new employees were doing something exactly the same, uh, it says here the tasks, it says 
if the tasks to be performed by the transferred employees of the Crown Sydney would will will be the substantially the same as the tasks performed in Melbourne or Perth, they will be for, be performing these tasks in Sydney in a new facility in a new business enterprise. The existing facilities in Melbourne and Perth will continue to be operated by Melbourne and Crown Perth. The distinguished cases where an employer proposed transfer with employees with an existing business from one location to another proximate location when the employees continue to do the same work in existing business at the new location. Um, in such cases, location may not be relevant whether the work was the same or substantially the same, but it was relevant in this case. And the fact that Crown Sydney would not be available to the general public, so the facilities and tasks to be performed by them would be different for those in Melbourne or Perth. It's just such a such a narrow That's distinction. That's a nuance. Such a I, narrow distinction. I thought it would have just been as simple as their jobs are substantially, I think, different. I mean, I know they're doing the same roles and duties, but they're in an entirely different state. Look, that made a difference. Obviously, that made a difference. But in this case, um, it was about the work. So no transfer of business because Section 311 was not satisfied. This provision requires that the work of the employee performs with the new employer is the same or substantially the same. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was about whether they they were dealing with the public or not i mean i don't know a lot about casinos but i would have thought does it the type of dealer you'd want from sydney uh from melbourne or perth is probably going to be one who's more than just the one who's playing on the ten dollar ten dollar tables so they're used to that type of clientele yeah clientele and i would have thought that that would be largely the same i, I really like this case because just, i don't know whether it's an outlier or it doesn't make any sense i think the fact that they're the fact that they're um in a different state was probably is probably enough in my eyes um i mean well, i don't know much about dealing but i can't imagine it's one where you just you know go around the world all the time well, there was no transfer of business, so it, yeah, um, I don't think that the it it turned on the location. It turned on the work they were doing. The location may not be relevant to whether the work was the same or substantially the same. Well, there you go. But I suppose to broaden the broaden the uh, discussion, <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to location. I know it's a bit of how long's a piece of string, but for everyone out there, what, what are we thinking about when it comes to mm. material change when it comes to location only? Like assume everything else is the same, same pay, same job, it, like the whole office is essentially moving. Well, I mean, we've had case after case that just don't make any sense in this space. Like Spotless, years ago, Spotless made a whole pile of people redundant, but said, we're not paying you redundancy because we've offered you a job in New Zealand. In an, in an entirely different country. An entirely different country. Under and a different set of laws as well, it should be said. The commission held it held it up. It said, since you offered this job in New Zealand, we don't have to pay redundancy. We See, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but then we get then we get other cases where you know moving across town is too far. Yeah, 30, 40 <laughs> kilometers can be too much. I mean, it all comes doesn't a lot of it come down to the circumstances of the of the business and the people involved at, at the time at which they became employed in the first place? Maybe, but remember we've got, I mean, this, this is how the Fair Work Act just shifts because we've got, in, you know, provisions in the Fair Work Act that talk about, um, you know, the, the difficulty it poses upon the employee if you make these changes. Mm. Like, I mean, you might you might change have. the hours of an employee just off the bat without considering their circumstances, for instance. Mm. You know, that person might be a day worker and all of a sudden you want to make them work nights, but they've got children or a sick relative or, you know, something's happening that makes it, 
you know, or maybe yeah, they they're were... five and there's no public transport or, you know, there's... They accepted the job in the first place based on the premise of what their job looked like at that mm -hmm. very point in time because they've it's suitable to their life or they might have moulded mm. their life around those circumstances such that if you were to change it drastically that, you know, the job is no longer suitable for them. Yeah, and so you, we have that, you know, those sections of the Fair Work Act to consider and then we've got stuff like this. <laughs> you know, well, or, or you, should... you can move to New Zealand and that's fine. It's, uh... Well, the tasks one is is always a very interesting because it comes to restructuring and moving people around in a business, and it can often be quite difficult to to determine what exactly someone does on a yeah. day to day. You know, yeah. for a lot of people, it's not just as easy. Um, as what's in their position description. Yeah, reporting, reporting, reporting structures. This, this, is, this is a big one that comes up for us, isn't it? We've got somebody who reports directly to the CEO and they have 15 people to manage and they've got a job title of, I don't know, executive technology officer or something, manager, technology yeah. manager. You know, they've got they've got some, you know, title that, that makes no sense in, in reality. And then all of a sudden they've got a situation where their entire team has moved away and they just get told to focus on their job, you know, whatever. Yeah, they kind of become a manager. They've moved, although their title might not change, they move from basically being a manager to basically being yeah. a busy and, bit. and now they've, you know, they stuff somewhere between someone between as a direct report between them and the CEO, and all of a sudden it looks like a massive demotion, but there's nothing changed about their title or their wages mm. now most employees will say uh no you're ruining my career um people are going to look at them and go what the hell did i do wrong to deserve this and uh yeah they're going to look at it poorly why isn't this a redundancy and employers would argue well all we're doing is changing things around your job hasn't changed the the major stuff that you're doing hasn't changed but in fact there is a perception there that there's a massive difference and we know that the courts have considered those changes in the past but then we look at this and go mm, okay we'll look at the spotless thing and go mm, okay fair enough i don't I mean, honestly i don't think it's as uh, rock solid or easy to predict as as we want it to be unfortunately it's really one that uh it's it's prime for litigation because it is that for most cases, I mean, when someone gets a 20% demotion, you know, in their pay, uh, then that's a pretty easy one. But for most cases, it's it's sort of how long is a piece of string and, yeah. you know, what, how much of a change. You might agree that there is a change, but how much of it in reality is it? And you can argue that for days. Um, and just as um, same with location for most of the time, we're not talking about moving from you know, Brisbane to Perth, we're talking, you know, moving from, you know, 60 kilometres down the road. Mm. That depends. It depends about where the 60 kilometres is. You know, 60 kilometres, you know, regionally might not make any difference, but 60 kilometres in the middle of Sydney might. This is true. How easy is it to get to that, that spot? Um, there are plenty of people who live in the Gold Coast, which is more than 60 kilometres away, and travel to Brisbane. Um, but there's a lot of people I speak to in Brisbane who'd say that they would never, ever do that. So, I don't know. It's an interesting one. We've had a few interesting cases today. We've got some lady who thought it was perfectly yeah. acceptable for her to run her business out of work. Yeah, and basically. I think basically did no work. <laughs> well, if I'm thinking the timing. That, uh, I think if you read the case, she would argue that she got on. And this is the thing that we talked about. What if you get your job done or the perception is you get your job done and you still have the side hustle? Is that OK? I mean, we're. I, I think it's OK, but I think chances are that wasn't what was happening if we really well, dug deep. I still think, I mean, and this this is where the, if anybody wants to go back and watch that podcast, I, this, I think this is where the conflict came in the last time. I don't care whether they get on with your job. You got to focus 100% on it, dude. I'm paying you to be here, so it's uh, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? So she she obviously argued that you know it didn't make a difference. Um, you know, she's still getting her job done, and we do hear that from time to time from some people. Hear that, but... um, especially in this work from home thing, like we know now that there's a lot of conflict in the workplace about employers wanting 
people to come back to work and the employees going, well, I work perfectly fine from home. Why can't I stay here? But that's not the point. That's not the point. It's not the point. Yeah, and, and that's the problem. So we've got that case. We've got the issue with... Um, Social media, you can't, uh, you're an actor for your uh, for your employer, so don't just post whatever the hell you want. Yeah, discriminatory. You can post, actually, you can post whatever Anti-vaccine, you want, just not in, while you're employed. Anti-vaccine and discriminatory posts. <laughs> it's going to look poorly upon your employer, who's actually doing campaigns to try and promote those things. And yeah, um, whether, a, whether a chain, whether doing the same job but for private interviews private, private people rather than the public, public is makes. Uh, it makes all the difference yeah it's uh it's fascinating well fascinating it's good world. to know we're in february late february and uh the employment sphere i think is moving faster than ever there's it's really ramped up in the last kind of month about you know different cases different pieces of legislation is getting passed through or this being proposed um, I think it's going to be a, a bit of a busy year, I think. It is going to be a busy year. I'm still trying to think about um, how this this new high court decision, which we talked about last time, mm. impacts on our clients. Um, and uh, I can see, and I was doing a bit of reading about this, and some law firms are highly politicising it now that we're in the middle of a uh, election year and what might happen. Yeah, well, certainly... Um, I know that we spoke about this last week, but um, I think it'll there will be legislation to address it, and depending on which way the election is, about how that looks. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lay my hat yet, just yet, on uh, which way this is going to end up. Um, yeah, I just uh, I'm a real I'm a real substance, not the form type of girl. I mean, yes, I am. A, I am. A, I do draft contracts for a living, and I do love that, and I like putting form into into agreements. But I, I also believe that employment contracts and agreements have more life in them than that. Uh, but I'm, I agree. I'm, I agree. I'm I maybe. I uh, I think going with form over substance in a strict sense. I'm happy for form to be very persuasive, but not not determinative. It's rife for what I consider to be kind of gotcha moments. Mm, you know, mm. when things start going well, you know, mm. poorly, turning back to the contract, knowing full well that you didn't uh, really, you know, you were happy to let it slide when things were fine. But then when uh, when things push comes to shove and things gone worse, you go, aha, gotcha. The, the contract says that, you know, and I don't think that, I don't think that achieves outcomes that, is particularly good for society. Well, you're not going to achieve a happy, excuse me, happy workforce. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, but on I that think note, that we've yeah. uh, talked everyone to death today. Hopefully, they're still awake. Oh, well, <laughs> it's, you know, it's eleven. It's ten o'clock in the morning. You know, ten o'clock for us. I don't know when people are watching this. <laughs> That's great. This is I think I just committed one of the cardinal sins when it comes to uh, recording. I think you're always supposed to make it not like. Not time based, but oh you know, right. Sure. Oh, well. But on that yes. note, uh, thank you very everyone for uh, listening in, and we'll be again in a couple of weeks. Yes, thank you for listening to the Lawcast, everyone, and catch you later. Thanks for right. watching and listening. See ya. <laughs>